What do you do when in the course of one day you have an appearance, a deposition, and a client meeting, all of which are in different locations? My mantra is the more chargers, the better. I'm Stephanie Francis-Ward, and when we return, my guests will tell you about tech tools that can help. This ABA Journal podcast is brought to you by Westlaw Next. Folder sharing on Westlaw Next enables you to tap into previous research across organizational boundaries like never before, saving you time from reinventing the wheel. Learn more at westlawnext.com. I'm here with Matt Hector, an Illinois foreclosure defense lawyer, Randall Ryder, a Minneapolis attorney who handles Fair Debt Collection Practices Act cases, and Reed Trouts, who is writing a book about mobile lawyering. So, Matt, since you're in Cook County, I wanted to ask you first about this issue of using technology in a judge's courtroom. Uh, how do you know whether or not it's okay for you to do it? Basically, it, the first question is, does the courthouse allow technology in the courtroom uh, at all? And then usually there's an exception for lawyers. Um, some of the collar counties, which are the ones that surround Cook, uh, require you to purchase a security pass for the courthouse in order from the local bar association in order to uh, in order to be able to bring tech into the courthouse. Then it's just pretty much it really it's just a matter of learning the judge and you've got to kind of just be there and have the experience. Um, my usual rule of thumb is I look around if I see anybody else on their phone while court's in session uh, pecking away at their screen. I assume it's okay for me to do the same. Okay, because, I mean, I've been in some courtrooms, particularly in housing court, where you might answer your phone when you're up at the table, you know, assuming the judge is not at the best, that's what you're waiting. But with other judges, I would imagine that they, they're like, no, you can't. You must. Oh, I would never, yeah, I'd never answer my phone in the courtroom. I mean, in a worst-case scenario, I'll duck out into the hallway and take a really important call. It, literally, there's only about three numbers I'll answer that, you know, are my definite emergencies, you know, where I'll, I'll pick those up during court, but otherwise I... You know, I don't want to miss my case being called, you know. So yeah, yeah. And, uh, Randall, what's it like in Minnesota? Do the judges usually let you use your technology in the courtroom or no? I mean, I'd, I'd say it's a little bit different in, in federal court and state court. And since I practice in both, I, I guess I can see the differences. Since federal court, federal court's been doing e-filing for as far as I've, as long as I've been practicing law. So all the, the courtrooms are very tech-friendly. Uh, the judges are usually accessing stuff on their computer or their monitors when there's a hearing going on. So I've, I've never had an issue in, in federal court with technology. I, I think I've had in state court, on the other hand, they they did just recently switch to e-filing, but I don't think they're really used to it. Because I can remember when I first made hearings the, the far away a long time ago, it was three or four years ago, I think I had a couple of judges ask me what I was doing on my computer during a hearing, which was odd because I was just looking at the case. Um, but I would say in general it, it's pretty tech-friendly at this point. Would you prefer to, to look at everything on your laptop when you're in the courtroom as opposed to bringing in a bunch of paper? I, I would and I do. I don't keep paper files of anything. So for me to look at things on paper, it's just strange now. And frankly, I've, when I've had motion hearings, it's always been to my advantage that I'm paperless because I can look at stuff. I can find stuff quickly. And I always laugh when I see opposing counsel going through their, you know, six-inch accordion folder desperately trying to find some discovery, and I can pull it up in probably 10 seconds and answer the judge before they can even find the document. 
And Reed, in your experience with writing about this, do you think most lawyers, do they prefer to have a paper in front of them when they're in court or use a laptop or maybe even a phone? <clears throat> I think it's evolving. I think that you still have a lot of lawyers that want that paper in front of them. They're not as confident in their use of the technology, so if they can't find it on their computer or the battery dies, they're still a little concerned about that. But I think we're evolving into more of a, of a paperless world. Uh, as Matt said, I think it's the courts, as they're catching up and they're developing some of this technology and going paperless, uh, the lawyers are coming right along, some leading the way, others kind of dragging behind. But it's it's evolving so that we're using less paper. And you mentioned the, there's that fear of your battery dying. What's your advice for keeping all your all of your equipment charged up? My mantra is the more chargers, the better. You know, don't don't skimp on you know a fifteen or twenty or thirty dollar charger for any of your devices. Try to have some for your car. Try to have make sure you've got uh, your cords in your in your bag. Uh, have extra charging cables for your cell phone at at home and at the office. Uh, we just need those uh, pieces, those devices today, and we just have to keep them charged. And remember to keep them charged. I I have to confess I have my iPhone charger in the bathroom so that as I'm getting ready in the morning, I'm like, okay, my phone's charged, or if it's not there, I at least can grab a quick charge before I'm out the door. I never thought about keeping your charger in the bathroom, but that, that's a good one. Just keep yeah, away from the right. sink, right? Right. It's got a little shelf. You can, there's little <laughs> devices you can buy. Yeah. It's, you got to have it. Um, Randall and Matt, do you guys have any, like, horror stories of your equipment not being charged when you're out? No, I don't, but I, I have uh, I actually have a, an outlet adapter in my car, so it turns. You know, if I don't have a car charger for something, I have, you know, an actual outlet that plugs into my cigarette lighter, so I can plug like whatever device I want into it and charge it. So generally, you know, if I if my car was missing, then I would have a real problem. But yeah, good. yeah. Do you guys have thoughts? I, I was curious if maybe some makes and models of cars are better for luring on the go than others. I know we just got a new Subaru. And we're thrilled that there is a charger right in the car. We just have to bring in our cord and go. It's it's ready to go. Do you have any thoughts on that? I'll I'll jump in and say it's it's amazing what car manufacturers are doing today. I mean, uh, GM has had OnStar, which you know has just tons of technology related to it and allows you to use your own devices in there. But what I've, I'm also seeing is a number of companies uh, like Ford. Uh, Audi and BMW are now including a, a Wi-Fi package so that your uh, all the people in your car can connect to a Wi-Fi and they can be on their devices while you're driving down the road. How much does that cost? Oh, it's it's going to vary, and I'm sure you're going to have to have a, a subscription. I unfortunately don't have a new model like that so that I can uh, do it, but I'm I'm going to guess it's going to you know be in that uh, fifty to sixty dollar a month range. How many of you guys use Bluetooth, and do you do you have success with that? I had a Bluetooth headset at one point, and I moved, and now I can't find it. So <laughs> okay. I, I guess it wasn't that important to you. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It, you know, after I lost it, I realized it wasn't that big of a deal. I have uh, headphones that have a you know that, are, that work as a headset, and they're better than the default iPhone headset. So I just I use those, and I'm fine. You know. Let's switch gears a bit. What are some good ideas for getting work done on the train or the bus? Uh, Reed, what do you think? 
Well, I think that uh, you've got to make yourself uh, comfortable, and I know a lot of people that, you know, you can check your email on the phone, you can delete some, you can bring yourself up to date, you know, just on your on your phone. But for a lot of people, that's it's just not comfortable writing it out and 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 typing with the either a physical keyboard or the uh, virtual keyboard. Uh, so if that's not good for you, I I think there's so many good uh, tablets out there today uh, that you may want to use. And I, and I see so many people, myself included, who can be productive using a tablet because you can sit down it's not the you know it's not the same form factor obviously as a laptop which you tend to have to balance on your uh, legs and and try to ride and the, the bus or the train or subway is shifting it's kind of tough but a tablet just makes it so much easier and you can get, get a lot of work done uh, offline but if you want to connect and and have a, a broadband connection uh, you can you can get a lot of work done and and that's where I see people uh, getting the most productivity when they're you know commuting to the office or, or traveling uh, by train or bus what are your thoughts on which tablets tend to work the best for lawyers well, uh, I've, I've been an iPad fan since the, since they came out. I'm, I'm on my second one. Uh, you know, I, I just think they work because, uh, and no, no fault to Android, I think there's a lot of good tablets coming out there, Samsung and others, but the iPads just work. And quite frankly, when I go to conferences and I speak at conferences across the country, I talk to other lawyers, I'm seeing iPads far more often than I'm seeing uh, the Android tablets. So if you're new to the new to the tablet world, you're not sure where to go. I just think Apple makes it easier to get started and and use that. I'm not saying don't look at Androids, but I I would at least start with uh, with the iPads. Matt and Randy, do you have anything to add to that, or is there, do you prefer different tablets to work on? So, I mean, I use an iPad. Um, you know, I haven't really had the desire to upgrade. I kind of figure. I've noticed a lot more iPads lately uh, in use by lawyers. I kind of assume the iPad's ubiquity is just because it's the first to market and it's the best-known product. You know, um, I would expect that whenever Microsoft gets Surface right, we might see more of those. Uh, same thing with the Androids. I think they're just not, you know, they're they're a little they might be a little newer still to people. Um, but you know, for me on the train, I, I you know when I use an iPad or whatever to do anything, it's largely I'm doing research. I, I have um, some apps that allow me to access like the U.S. Code and the Illinois compiled statutes uh, stored on the iPad. So I have to update it from time to time, but um, it allows me to do some statute research when I need it. You know, uh, on the train or whatever. So. Okay. What What's one of the more complicated uh, lawyering related tasks you've done with your phone? Uh, probably for me, uh, uh, I've got an iPhone with uh, AT&T, and I was uh, riding in a car kind of in the middle of nowhere in Oklahoma, and we had a deadline for this document. I was on a conference call, and we were all uh, looking at the document, and someone else was actually doing the editing, but we were, were doing that on the fly so that it could make our deadline. And so, you know, that's about as complicated as it's gotten for me. I know others will... You know, try That's to pretty complicated. Yeah. Were you afraid you'd lose your signal? Uh, and I and I did a couple of times, but ah. you know, call right back into the call and and uh, you know it, it worked. But uh, that's what mobile lawyering does. It allowed me to go out and and in, enjoy that time away, uh, get away, but still be able to do a couple little things uh, that would have otherwise kept me back in the office. Okay, and 
Matt, does your firm do you use some sort of cloud computing so you can access files when you need to from yeah, a phone do, or an iPad? We used to just have a, we used to have a VPN uh, that I would you know, network into from home. Um, we've since upgraded to kind of a cloud-based system for all of our doc storage and everything. So now I can I can get into that from any web browser, which is which is nice. I, mean, I can access my actual desktop, um, all my files and everything. Um, and, and although to be honest, sometimes um, I still just email myself files I want to work on over the weekend and work on them locally on my computer at home, uh, simply because I've got a, a newer version of Word and I prefer it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, uh, and I have better fonts at home. So I, I you know, sometimes I, I um, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll work from home solely because I, I, I just, you know, there are things that are nicer in that regard. But, uh, yeah, we, we use the cloud system, and I, it, it's been working pretty well so far. Um, you know, so at least as far as uh, you know, getting access to everything. Um, so for that, it's, it's useful. And what do you think? What's more efficient for you? Do you think texting or emailing with clients? Oh, I, I, I almost always try and avoid um, ha having my cell phone number go public if I can avoid it. Uh, so I, I usually email with clients. I, um, okay. I, there are clients who do have my cell phone number and some who do not. And uh, it's just I have my own personal phone, and we don't have, like, a separate phone for the office. So I have, like, my office line, and I, have, I, I will use my cell phone to call clients if I need to. But in general, I try to, um, I try to avoid it simply because um, – it becomes a little too confusing on my contact list for me uh, to okay. manage, you know, having who's this number and do I save it as the client's name? And if I don't, I don't know who's calling me. And, you know, it, uh -huh. it tends to be a little confusing. So I try and route everything through the office if I can. So then if they need you, your support staff just gives you a call? Yeah, either that, they call me. And then a lot of times our clients, the ones who are going to need me and I know they're going to need me, um, then they'll have my cell phone number. But in general, for what I do in my practice area, um, there's not a lot of emergency calls after hours anyway. Um, so if I am on the go, uh, usually I'm back to the office before the end of the day, and if I'm not, I can check in and call people back from my cell phone. Mm -hmm. um, but in general, um, you know, most of my client calls get handled when I'm in the office, If unless, like I said, there's some you know, sudden emergency that comes up. And in those cases, yeah, someone from the office will call me and let me know there's a message. Well, and would you want to return calls, like when you're out in the hallway waiting for your call, or no, definitely not? Uh, in general, no, especially at the courthouse. I, my issue with that is because um, <clears throat> I hate having to be vague on the phone. Mm -hmm. And I think that when I'm on a cell phone in a public place, I have concerns about confidentiality and whether what I'm saying to my client over the phone is being overheard by a third party and does that technically or actually destroy confidentiality. Gotcha. Uh, that being said, have any of you ever heard calls between lawyers and a client and you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're saying that here? Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that happens all over. Uh, there was a story on the uh, on the Internet. It could have, could have been ABA Journal, uh, but it was a, a lawyer, a couple of lawyers were talking, and one of them had a briefcase with the firm logo on there. And the other lawyer, or another lawyer overheard it and figured out who it was, went on Pacer. And you can you can figure out stuff. You can put, you know, building blocks together. And uh, it's just better it's just better not, not to do that. Even though we have the capability to do it with technology, you still got to use common sense. 
Okay. And let me just say, too, that I would say the same thing with about texting. I mean, texting versus emailing. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm for texting, but there's no record, real good record, that you can have and hold in case something goes wrong with the client or with the case or whatever. Um, it's much harder to get those things off the phone and into your, into your record. So uh, that's, that's why I would say, you know, texting, unless it's, hey, I'll be there in five minutes kind of thing, I wouldn't text with clients. Well, and you could email yourself the text, right? But that's one step you have to remember to do. Yeah. Okay. Are there any good apps for pulling up legal code from your phone? Yeah, actually. I mean, you, just, you know, it depends. Literally, uh, one's from the company called Tech Innovations. They have, like, the rule, federal rules of evidence and uh, code of civil procedure. On, on You can put them on your phone. I have another one uh, for the Illinois uh, compiled statutes from them. Uh, there's another company that was given away – uh, some free stuff not too long ago, but I had that on my iPad, which I accidentally left at home today because my daughter was playing with it before school. <laughs> okay. uh, do you have? Is that Lawstack? No, Lawstack. not Lawstack. It's another one. I'd, it was I'd seen it maybe on Lawyerist or something. I'd seen like a blurb like, "Hey, they're giving away this you know thing for free for X amount of time," and I, I grabbed it and then I haven't actually revisited it since. It's okay. been one of those on my to-do list for things to play with. And and there's actually a, a, a number of apps that are available. Um, mostly from larger states, you know, California, Texas, New York. Um, but there's others that are there, and they'll give you, the like, the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure and uh, Criminal Procedure and the Federal Rules of Evidence. But if you want more, they generally have in-app purchases. You've got to buy another library for, you know, $1.99 or something like that. Uh, but be sure you take a look at the various ones and look inside the app and the reviews to see what uh, what people are doing because sometimes there's really a hidden charge. And um, for all of you, are there some places that are nice, quiet places for you to go and do work when you are out on the road in between appointments where you can pick up Wi-Fi, not be bothered too much, and just kind of unwind a bit and do your work? Yeah, if it's the right coffee shop, sure. Yeah, but, I mean, I think it, I think it just depends. It just depends on what you can find, and you know, when you're out at a coffee shop, you obviously want to be very cognizant of data security and stuff like that. I mean, if you're on a Wi-Fi network, you want to be really careful about what you're doing. Um, and I'm, I'm always shocked when I see sometimes I'll see other attorneys, and you know, get up to get some more coffee or go to the bathroom or whatever, and their computer's just sitting there without a screensaver on, without any sort of security on it, and I mean, I just stare at that and say, look, you know, any, you know, Joe Blow could walk in right now, take your computer, and he's going to have full access to everything that's on there. So I think when you're doing stuff like that, you just have to be especially cognizant of, of data security. Yeah. And I don't think you're being paranoid in, in thinking that way. I, I, I see the same thing, and I and I wonder, you know, especially today when we have so much of our information either on the computer or quickly accessible, client information accessible from the computer, and even our own personal information. You know, you don't leave that that device, you know, far from your reach uh, at any time. Yeah, I can't imagine, like, walking away from my laptop and not, you know, turning it off or locking it at the very least, if not, you know, just bringing it with. I mean, you know, it's not too big of a hassle to close it and throw it in a bag and lug it with you if you're going to the bathroom. I mean, I, I would almost do that in a in a coffee shop or something like that just because I think that's just good practice, you know. Um, I would say also, you know, for me, accessing things, I, I've done weird stuff to get Wi-Fi access before. Uh, I remember I was in the loop one time and I'd, for, I'd failed to load 
a brief onto my iPad. I needed it for court. And uh, I, I basically walked up to uh, a bunch of different buildings trying to see if I could find an open Wi-Fi network just to get on my email fast enough to grab it. <laughs> you know? um, and fortunately, there was a uh, like so one of these you know social club joints had an open Wi-Fi network, so it was a standard club. For, uh, oh, for I like to get the idea. Of, yeah. yeah the, Getting stuff from the standard club, I like it. <laughs> Especially since you represent consumers. Well, right, yeah. It was, it was kind of, I decided to call it war strolling for that. Was sort of war strolling. I like it. All right, guys. That's everything we have for today. I want to thank you all so much for your time. This ABA Journal podcast is brought to you by Westlaw Next, powered by WestSearch, the world's most advanced legal search engine delivering the best results in seconds. Learn more at westlawnext.com.